Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Kings fans, and welcome to the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of Ro- HockeyRoyalty.com. I'm Scott Kimball, and I, t- I got to tell you guys, we have got a lot to unwrap today, so let's get right down to it. I'm going to bring in our co-host. The band is back together, by the way, the, the triumvirate of power, if you will. First of all, I'm going to bring in our leader, our Presidente, the Emperor. Uh, oh, no, I can't say the Emperor because that's another guy's title, <laughs> guy's title. but he's close. He is the one, he's the only, Mr. Ryan Sykes. What's going on, buddy? Hey, Scott. I'm doing well today. How are you? Not too bad. Been a while. Yeah, it has. Yeah, you, know, you guys did a great, great podcast on the last one, so let's keep it going. Well, you know what? It, you know what? It'll be even better now that you're here. Oh, uh, yeah. I hope I just don't ruin things, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's possible. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Sorry, and, of course, our other co-host. He is the Prince of PDO. He is the Count of Corsi. He is the Emperor of all things analytics in the hockey royalty world. And he has also become the go-to on Twitter for all your Kings questions, news, opinions, whatever you want to know. He is the one and the only Mr. Russell Morgan. What's going on? Uh, Can we just stop with the long layoffs for the Kings and just play a regular season now? (laughs) I thought you were going to say stop with the long intro, Russ. (laughs) No, no, bring it on. I like that. (laughs) Add more. Yeah, let's add more. The only no, thing but... is missing is Pyros in his intro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I told him. I told uh, Scott last uh, episode we need like some intro music. <laughs> I need like uh, the Rock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, guys, I can't raise one eyebrow, so forget that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyways, you guys mentioned the long layoff. Yeah, of course, it was thirteen days. Yeah, thirteen days without Kings hockey. That's like an eternity in the middle of the season. Right. So last night we finally got our wish. We got a game. Um, didn't end the way we wanted it to, though. The Kings fell five to two to the Edmonton Oilers at home at the uh, Crypto.com Arena. Still getting getting used to saying that. We'll just say Staples. Staples yeah. for short. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so anyways, guys, thoughts on the game? Uh, I thought they came out a lot better than, I mean, like we talked about Scott before we hopped on here, but I thought they came out a lot better than um, I think I initially expected them to, you know, given they had 13 days off. I, Andre Kopitar in the pregame uh, um, media session talking with Carlin Bates was, he admitted there's probably going to be some rust that they'll just shake off, but they'll get going. I mean, yeah, the Oilers had the the puck for a good majority of the first few minutes, but then, Kings kind of took it back and they got rewarded with uh, Kaliev's ninth goal of the year. You know, Kaliev 
really did kind of the dirty work up against the, the sideboards there and got it back down low and then put himself right in front of the net. Uh, it kind of reminded me of um, his game-tying goal. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the game winner in the in the semifinal of the World Juniors where he kind of like oh, yeah. <laughs> from Alex Turcotte, you know, yeah. where he tapped his stick on the ice. He kind of like waved um, and got the puck and tipped it in. And it, on that play, it looked like, on the on the replay, it looked like Mike Smith. I don't know what happened there, but it just kind of snuck by his glove and in between the posts. It was a really weird sequence, but anyways, it counts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The Kings yeah. definitely had a got the benefit of a Mike Smith moment and something we're kind of accustomed to seeing with his uh, days in the Pacific Division with the Coyotes. But yeah, Ryan, uh, it was it was a great start. I mean, just considering the long layoff that the Kings had. You were kind of expecting a little bit of rust and a little um, trying to shake off and get get their feet underneath them, but they they started off great and to come, go out in after the one or after the first period one zero. I, I don't think you could have asked anything better. I mean, especially with Olimata taking a double minor high sticking penalty just a, a few minutes into the game, it was kind of like, oh no, here we go. Here's a big the big test for the penalty kill. Um, just going up against the Oilers, who are I think third in the in the NHL in power play. So I mean that was that was good to see them kill that penalty and then get a goal. That that fourth line, that Lazat line, is kind of Blake Lazat has just looked like an entirely different player this season. He's he's looked better each game, and you're starting to see him play with a lot more strength in the corners. He, I mean, we've kind of joked here and there since he's joined the Kings that it's just seemed, we're just kind of counting every game every time he falls on the ice each game. But now yeah. lately you're starting to see a lot of more um, stability and a lot more balance from him. Um, with the puck on his stick, so uh, that was good to see. Um, but yeah, after the first period, it just kind of there's just more mental lapses, and it was it was really reminiscent of the game after the COVID break against Vegas. And yeah. I, I, I kept thinking that man, this this reminds me exactly like that, where the team is playing really well and they're doing a lot of the small things right, but there's just these big mistakes, these big errors that just cost them dearly, and it. It was. I think it was a very evenly played game. I don't. I don't think any team really dominated each way. I thought the Kings played really well five on five, but special teams that just continues to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and again, you know, like we were talking, you, you had to expect a slow start. Right? I mean, I think they got a shot on goal throughout the first six or seven minutes of the game, uh, but overall, it wasn't really that bad at all. And I tell you, this is. You know, we've argued about this before. This is why I'm so against NHL going to the Olympics part of it, right? Because these, lo- these long layoffs just do so much to kill the momentum of a team that's playing good going into it. Yeah, it can be a savior for the ones that are coming out of it. Like if you recall in 14, right, the Kings were floundering until the Olympic break. those two weeks off, and then they came back and they were a completely different team. Uh, but fact of the matter is, guys, this one hurts because with the loss, especially being in regulation, not getting a point at all, the Kings have actually dropped out of the third-place spot in the Pacific Division and are now in the second wild-card spot with the Oilers replacing them in that third spot. But, you know, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. And, you know, in in future shows we'll talk more about the trade deadline and all that, but there's also moves to be made. Um, But i got to tell you something. Overall, I think – from that performance last night, I still say the Kings can hang with anybody in that Pacific Division. I, I really do. You know, so yeah, I mean, they got to – it's the issue all year long. They have to be able to finish, though. I mean, the, we'll get to it here, but might as well just jump into it. The power play, you know, five chances last night. Admittedly, they looked a lot better with their ozone, ozone control and also their zone entry, which has been a struggle with the drop pass this season they just can't get anything into the back of the net. It's right. just so frustrating, um, especially when you're given five chances. Sure it is. Sure mm-hmm. it is. It's, yeah, and to capitalize on, like, chances, like, the dumb penalties, like the cane punch and all, and you uh-huh. just, you're just kind of hoping, like, okay, when is this power play going to actually capitalize and take advantage of these opportunities that they're getting? And it's just not happening. And. I don't know. I've had people ask me, like, well, what do you do to fix the power play? Because, I mean, we've talked about this at length. This, the Kings aren't a team with the players that can be successful on the power play. I shared last night, I mean, Vladimir Kachev has two points, and that's more than Phil Deneau and Dustin Brown, who played on the power play throughout the whole season. So I, I'm not really expecting much out of the power play, but, I mean, 
you you want something to happen. You want at least one one goal or when you're getting five opportunities, twenty percent or eighteen percent would would be nice. It's just it, it's just not happening. And I don't know. I, you you have to look at more unconventional approaches. And and it should have started with taking Dustin Brown off the power play unit. I don't yes. know why he was still on there coming out of the break. I, I I've looked into it out of, of like hundred or players that have played a hundred minutes on the power play this season. He has like the lowest amount of points per 60. It's, it's just not working for him right now, especially after a, a last season where he had nine power play goals in the 56 yeah. games. It's, it's just weird. And it's, it's, you have to just look at more unconventional approaches and try to change up the strategy a lot more. You know, yeah. two, things, two things I noticed was uh, for one, why is Adrian Kempe all of a sudden wanting to pass all the time? Mm-hmm. He had an all-star first half off shooting the puck is and he does that very well i noticed that a few times last night where he had wide open scoring chances and, and chose to pass and it didn't work out of course yeah and i think even alex faust made a comment that maybe one too many passes i forget which chance it was but yeah i remember i remember that yeah and mcclellan actually <laughs> mentioned that in the post-game press conference that players that actually i'm I, this actually probably thinking about it now it probably he's probably talking about adrian kempe where he's he said that some players who or more custom or usually shoot the puck were looked looked at as a passers um, during the man advantage. So maybe that was about Kempe. Oh, I'm sure it was. And, you know, the other thing, too, is you notice they get nothing in front of the net. Yeah. There's, there's, no, mm-hmm. there's no grit. There's no, you know, no battle in front of that net. I mean, honestly, when the Kings are on the power play, and I hate to be, you know, Debbie Downer guy, right, but if the NHL goaltenders can see the puck, more than nine times out of ten, they're going to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's really been their issue kind of all year long. Get a body in front of the net. Exactly, and and really that 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 trickles through the rest of the team too. I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. They, they've been overall they've been much better than I thought they would be on an overall scale. But really, when you think about it for a second, Brendan Lemieux is basically your grit guy, and mm-hmm. you're not going to put him on the power play. So. That's where I, I think a lot of the power plays problems are, are have stemmed from. I, I honestly do. And the reason you, your, your your shooters aren't scoring is because, like I said, the goalie can see everything. Mm-hmm. And if, if the goalie's not nervous and is, I mean, you don't. I'm not saying run the goalie. I'm not saying I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you're on the power play, and that your opponent's goalie is in his crease. Park somebody a few feet in front of him. Make him nervous. Take his eyes away. Just have a presence and that way even if it, a puck gets knocked down where you've got a stick there for a rebound because there's too many, there's been way too many one and dones too i mean that's that's a given so honestly i think that's where you know if you're going to fix something it starts right in front of the opponent's net yeah and we actually talked about that on the hockey royalty live channel on our youtube page um where what's something that the Kings can bring that would help the power play, like an unconventional approach. And you mentioned Brendan Lemieux, and I think that's actually a, a good idea to place mm-hmm. him on the power play. I mean, yeah. can't believe it would be any worse, right? Yeah. yeah. So, what do you I have mean, to lose? And, and you watch him during the warmups, and after every warmup, Sean Dursey's throwing on point shots, and he's deflecting the puck in the net. That's it's something he's working on. You can see it happening, and and maybe that's an approach that the Kings should take, where they, he can have bring that net front presence, almost like that Thomas Holmstrom type player or Patrick Patrick Hornquist, who's just constantly wreaking havoc in front of the goaltenders or the opponent opposing go, goaltender. So try that out. Maybe he maybe he gets, brings a little bit more of a dirty aspect to the power play because you think about you think about the Kings right now. We've talked about it at length. They're, they're a team that's built for the five-on-five. Five. They're built for four-checking. And when you see a player like Phil Deneau, he's not that type of player that's just going to be able to stand around, puck handle, and then find the open player. He needs to constantly be moving. He's, he's, he's always hounding the puck. He's always on top of the puck. That's why you, you don't really see Trevor Moore or Phil Deneau or Dustin Brown really excel that much in the power play this year because they like to always be moving and be four-checking and, and be hitting people. So... I don't know. It's just maybe bring up Gabe Velarde, see what he can do, bring some more skill into the lineup that where they can have that. And well, Russ, keep- I, think a, I think a prime example of Brendan Lemieux was back in the the Canucks game in Vancouver, where Blake Lazat had that excellent individual effort to strip the puck down low and then pass it back up to Christian Malanen at the the point. 
and Milanen uh, fired a blast on the net, and Brendan Lemieux was uh, in front of the net and redirected it, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. went in. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, let's see, let's see someone like a, a Lemieux, or I know they had him up for eight or nine games or whatever it was, but you know, Turcotte likes to sit in front of the net, um, put Byfield in front of the net. My God, yeah. that is huge. Right. That was one of the more surprising things I saw out of the break. I mean, I was fully expecting Quentin Byfield to be on the power play. I mean, we we know about his skill. Um, he's still getting acclimated to the game during 5-on-5, five five, but if you give him the opportunity to, to excel on the man advantage where he has time and space to use that high eye hockey IQ that he has, I mean, that just seems like a, a no-brainer, really, to get him. Um, I mean, you, you think about it as like a, a for like a basketball reference just to – for a player who goes to the free throw line just to see the ball go through the hoop. I mean, for Byfield, then maybe that's something that can help him too. Just get the puck on a stick, get him, give him that time and space where he can stick handle, feel the puck on a stick and, and make that right, uh, right play and make the right pass too. I wouldn't mind seeing Arthur Kelly. I've get some more power play time as well. Yeah. Let him shoot. And there, he's another <clears throat> big body. The guy is not small. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he's about six two, I think 195 pounds, 200 pounds. So, I mean, it's not like he's, Blake Lazat size will say, you know, you can put him in front of the net. He's he's and actually his game has grown leaps and bounds this season. I and I hate to say it because I was actually against playing him on the fourth <laughs> line, but it, it appears that it has worked because he has really rounded his game out. And let's not forget that world class shot, guys. Let's not I know. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. can get him on the power play, give him some looks with the, the high skill players that the Kings have, you can get that shot going. I, I firmly believe that. But with that notwithstanding, we were just talking about the Pacific Division standings. I'm going to give you guys the rundown of what it looks like as of today. So the Calgary Flames have moved into first place. The Vegas Golden Knights are second. The Edmonton Oilers are third. Our LA Kings, as I mentioned, are the second wildcard spot, followed closely behind by our crosstown rivals, the Anaheim Ducks, who have the same amount of points, but we're ahead of them in the standings. I think we have two games in hand, right? I'm looking at it right now. It's one game. Oh, one game. Okay. One game. So it's getting interesting, guys. It's getting tight. Um, what do we see? Is this uh, is Calgary going to win this division with the, the Tyler Toffoli trade? Does that put them over the top? Uh, Vegas has some interesting uh, dilemmas right now. <laughs> we'll talk about in just a second. Um, oof. I think the coaching change was exactly what Edmonton needed. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the quote from Warren Fogle, but he said uh, – Jay Woodcroft is paying attention to the details like we weren't before. So basically backhanding <laughs> Dave Tippett. Um, and you're seeing that now. I mean, they've won three in a row and they've won all three of um, Jay Woodcroft's games so far. Uh, they're playing much better defense and paying attention to the details. You know, Mike Smith coming into last night had allowed four goals in three out of his last five starts. And uh, something that bothered me <laughs> was like the little swagger that he had after <laughs> the Kopitar shot it and he saved it. It's like, come on, man. He got like a 900 save percentage. <laughs> You've given up uh, four goals in three out of the last five of your starts. You're probably going to be injured from this celebration. <laughs> you know, it's funny, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because – you're talking about the glove save that you had, right? Yeah. Yeah. So after right after that play, I thought the same thing. I'm like, man, that's a little bit flashy for a player that for a goaltender that gave up that first goal that looked like so now you're trying to tell tell everybody your glove's working all of a sudden. So that was a little surprising. And actually Adrian Kempe skated around him and I think he said something to Smith because Smith looked over to him and looked like they were jawing at each other back and forth. So I'm sure Kings noticed that as well. And you know what's funny though, Mike Smith must have been thinking, well, it's now or never to be able to do something like that. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, um, I have a very long winded response, but I'll kind of keep it succinct here. But I really think it's going to be kind of a three dog fight to the top from here on out. I like the addition of Tyler Toffoli to an already hot, no pun intended, Calgary Flames team. <laughs> Uh, Vegas is getting Jack Eichel in the lineup tonight, Wednesday, whenever you mm-hmm. guys listen to this. We will see him on Friday in Vegas. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's going to be tough for the Kings to find an area for them to kind of squeeze into a third spot. You know, 
You just disappointed me, Ryan. I thought you were going to go with a three-dog night reference. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I thought I covered all my bases here, but apparently not. <laughs> the king of dad jo- jokes disappointed That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but... go, I mean, going into the season, I, I fully expected the Kings to be one of the wild card teams. Um, it's not really surprising to me to see the top three be what it is now. I'm not ready to anoint the Oilers this like the team that everyone expected them to be yet. I mean, you look at the teams they beat since in this three um, three game winning streak that they're on. The Islanders at home, they're, they're they have really no offensive game, so to shut them out or to allow one goal is not really that expected. Um, the Sharks are kind of an up and down team, and then the Kings coming off 13 days. Uh, of course, there's going to be some rust there, so. We'll have to wait to see if they can keep the ball rolling and keep that defensive aspect to them. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them finish in the top three. And then with the way the Flames are playing and the Vegas Golden Knights are a deep team, um, they should be the top two teams in the Pacific Division. And I picked the Kings to be a wild card. So you just have to look at Anaheim, um, Winnipeg, who's who's up and down, and the Stars, who are, are starting to come along as well, um, to be the teams that the Kings are going to be vying for for that last wild card spot um, throughout the end of the season. You know, here's the thing, guys. With the Flames, they have bought in to Daryl mm-hmm. Sutter. Absolutely. And we all know what happens when teams buy into Daryl Sutter's systems, right? And let's be honest, their goaltending is lights out with Jacob, Jacob Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're right, Russ. The Vegas Golden Knights are getting Jack Eichel back. However, it's addition by subtraction because – now Mark Stone is on LTIR, mm-hmm. uh, and reports are Robin Leonard is hurt. So yeah. that could change things dramatically for Vegas. If this turns out to be an injury that's going to bother Leonard for the rest of the season, now they got to do something in goal. And you, you're, they're out of players they can put on LTIR to try to create more cap space. Are you okay. sure about that? Yes. All right, right. Yeah. Oh, my knee. Ow. Yeah, my hamstring yeah. is starting is, is starting to hurt. There's Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I was quite. Uh, I, I look. I'm like, oh wow, look at that. Eichel's ready to come off. Uh-huh. Because I mean, I know there's a thousand you know theories out there that well, is it conspiracy theory? Is it not? You know, we talked about this. All right, it is in the rules that you can do this. Yeah, right? it's there. There's no doubt about it. The Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> paved the way. The Tampa Bay Lightning paved the way. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's a conspiracy theory, but let's also be honest. The Vegas Golden Knights were not going to miss the playoffs with or without Mark Stone. They weren't, so mm-hmm. they can afford to lose somebody like Marks. Much like last year when Tampa Bay could afford to lose Nikita Kucherov, because mm-hmm. guess what? They were going to the playoffs. There, there was no if and ors or buts about that. Um, I will say this though: if this turns out to be another situation where. He's miraculously healthy for game one of one. <laughs> I, I don't know. At that point, I say, why even bother having a salary cap? Why bother with it? It's pointless. If you're going to have all these loopholes to get around it. I mean, that's kind of – and listen, is it good for the league to have teams that have stars and are, and are great teams? Yeah, it's good for the league overall, right? You don't You don't necessarily want 32 teams that are all the same. You do want teams that have got some – that are – well, let's, let's face it, got some superstars and have got talent. That's what sells the game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is it's just to me, it's just kind of this whole, the timing once again. It was just yeah. like with Tampa Bay. And you know what, guys? I'm not fully convinced that Jack Eichel is going to make a huge impact right off the hop. I'm not. Guys, we're going to replay this clip later tonight, Scott, after he gets a hat trick. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And we'll have to make a graphic of me eating a lot of crow. But that, <laughs> but it's one game. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think he's going to be good for the Knights. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the guy's a world-class talent. All I'm saying is, how long has it been since he's actually played a regular season game? You can practice all you want, and you can do game simulations all you want. But it does not compare to actual, real NHL play. And I think it's going to take him a little bit to get his, his feet under him. I, I really do. Uh, it does mean, though, that it looks like they're not going to have to move Riley Smith out. So that's going to help him. But I think it's all going to hinge on what happens with Robin Leonard as far as the Vegas Golden Knights go. Now, with the Edmonton Oilers, you're right, Ross. I'm not sold on them. Listen, teams go on winning streaks all the time. 
It happens. I mean, the Seattle Kraken can go on a, a four or five game winning streak. Okay. But the fact of the matter is, and there's still time, there's still time to make moves. I'm not sold on Mike Smith and Miko Koskin and leading those leading the Edmonton Oilers to a Stanley Cup. I don't care if they have Conor David. I don't care if they have Leon Dreisaitl. You still need solid goaltending. And they don't have it. They don't have it. I mean, yeah, the, the, the coaching change is good for them. It probably was the best thing to do, right? Clear the air. Breath of fresh air, new start. But you really want to have the Edmonton Oilers going up against the Calgary Flames in the playoffs? And I'm just leaving, even leaving the Kings out of this. Say against the Flames, who have got Jacob Markstrom, who was a Vezina candidate, and a team that can roll four lines and play very good defense. This is basically the, the team that the Kings want to be, right? I'm, I'm not sold on the Oilers. And the Ducks, well, you know, I mean, they've they've had a great season. You, you have to take your, your hat off to them. I know they're our big rival, but how much longer is this going to last too? So I think right about now, the Kings are right about where they should be insofar as the wild card spot vying for the third spot. Um, again, lots of time left, lots of moves to be made, but this is kind of the way the, the things are shaking out, as far as I'm concerned anyway. Yeah, I'm going to make a T-shirt that says, if you ain't manipulating the cap, you ain't trying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean – yeah, like like you said, Scott, it, it's it's beneficial to the league when superstars are playing. I mean, you look at the NBA; it's a superstar league. I don't ever want the NHL to get to the point where players yeah. are just making decisions about where they want to play and when they're happy or not. But I mean, it's just better for the league when you have your superstars playing in the game. And Jack Eichel is a superstar, so to have him playing, especially to debut against a team like the Avalanche tonight, that's just going to be must must watch TV. Absolutely. Along, along with the USA Canada women's gold medal game. I'll be I'll be tuning into both of those. So it's going to be a fun night oh, of hockey. TV today, aren't you? Yeah, it's going to be a fun <laughs> night of hockey. I'm actually really excited. But um yeah, it, it, as far as the whole LTIR thing, it, I mean all, almost all teams have done this or are doing this right now. The Kings are doing this right now. Alex Edler's on LTIR. Sean Walker's on LTIR. Drew Doughty was on LTIR, I believe, at one point. So, I mean, this is just something that it's it's an even playing field. Everybody is able to do this. And and for the Golden Knights, they're a team who's built to win right now. And that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning were last, last year. They were a team that was built to win now. So if you have the players in your locker that are able to – contribute and to help you win the Stanley Cup. I mean, you have to do whatever you can to to make that happen and that's what the, where the Golden Knights are right now and if it I mean, the biggest part is if, if they don't win, then what happens? What happens next season? Because we're seeing that happen with Tampa Bay where they had to get rid of a couple players to move on, but fortunate for them they won. So if the Golden Knights aren't able to win, then there's going to be some moves being made in offseason for Vegas. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt about it. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I was going to hit on what Russ said there at the end, but, you know, if they don't win, they're still going to have to move like a Riley Smith or they have to move Alec Martinez off the roster. You know, something's going to have to give here. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to. And, I mean, it's, it'll be very interesting to see who goes. Um, but, you know, getting Jack Eichel had better put them over the top because right now I can tell you living in New York State, that that trade for Buffalo is starting to look pretty good. Oh, Alex, yeah. Alex Tuck is been dynamite. And I'm going to tell you something. I've <clears> seen <throat> Peyton Krebs play because he was, you know, with the Rochester Americans and they play here in Utica. That kid's the real deal. He is the real deal. And I'm going to tell you, if, if Vegas wasn't in a win-now mode, there's no way you get rid of that kid. No way. But, like you guys said, they're, they're win-now. So they, they did what they had to do, which is understandable, right? Yeah. You're going to yeah, make just... a big swing? Do it. Yeah, out of all the players that I was afraid of for Vegas in the future, Alex Tuck was high on my list, probably like the number one, because it, it, it was more about his contract, too. I mean, with the contract that they, they signed him to, they were Vegas was really smart to do this, to sign him to a long-term deal just before he was starting to break out. And now that he's with Buffalo and he's starting to really break out and show the type of player that he really is, I mean, I almost took that as like, man, that's almost just like a – a win for Buffalo almost. I thought they did really well in that trade to get Alex Tuck to shed. I mean, you lose Jack Eichel, who's a top 10 center in the league, but at $10 million a year for however so long. And then now you have Alex Tuck, who's 
almost just as a good, just as a productive player as Jack Eichel at like half the salary he signed for at almost the same length. I mean, that's an absolute steal for Buffalo. And I think they did really well in that trade. And we'll have to see how it impacts Vegas because, I mean, they're a team, they're a real cutthroat team when it comes to trading players or signing players. They don't, they don't care how long you've been with the team or how successful you've been with the team. I mean, look what they did with Mark Andre Fleury. They'll they'll do whatever they can to win. And I'm wondering if how much that impacts them um, and players that look to go to Vegas and, and free agency or anything um, when they think about that those type of moves that they've made. Yeah, I don't I don't know so much it'll affect that much because Vegas isn't the first team that's ever done that that type of thing, right? I mean, if you look, like, say, just using baseball, for example, the Yankees, right? Mm-hmm. As long as you're offering money, they're going to come. There's mm-hmm. no no doubt about it, right? It's the pinstripes. Uh, it, <laughs> 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 uh, well, I, I say that because, I, again, I live on the East Coast, right? I could mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that any of the big-time major league teams, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox, whatever. Um, Vegas is also getting Alec Martinez back, aren't they? I'm not sure. I, I believe that. I think it's top. coming back soon. Yeah. 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 So that'll help them too. Um, but honestly, I'm going to tell you guys something. I, I think in a, in the grand scheme of things, I, I think the Kings match up well with Vegas. I, I think they do. I think they're they're built right now to be able to to hang with a Vegas, to be able to hang with an Edmonton, because let's face it, they got. If you're going to keep Dreisaitl on on McDavid's line. Then the Kings basically have the best one-two center punch in the in the entire division. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott. I misspoke. There was a, an update yesterday. Um, Alec Martinez just not there in recovery. Knights GM says. Oh, so okay. it looks like he'll be out a little bit longer. Okay. Well, yeah, because they were talking about it for the past couple of days, saying, "Well, he right looks like a change course. Maybe he's going. Maybe he's uh, got to fit in that salary cap, right?" <laughs> yeah to speak to speak more on the matchups that the kings are able to do against the other teams i mean i'd put the kings up with any team and they've shown that they're able to play oh with absolutely any guys. team yeah. in the nhl yeah and and it's 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 kind of hard because we put a lot of more of a microscope on this last game against the oilers and the score doesn't isn't indicative of the way the game was played at all no, I mean, they scored no. two it was, a, goals. Yeah, it was a three-two game it was a three-two I, game I, going into the last two minutes of the game so <clears throat> Really close game, and it was tied, I think, with six minutes left or so. But, yeah, yeah I mean, the Kings are, are built. I mean, with Phil Deneau, the Kings have a, a real solid uh, defensive uh, center to help Kopitar. I mean, we talked about this at length. And they were able to suppress and, I think, really slow down Connor McDavid. I mean, he had uh, quite a bit last game. He had two points, but I think one of them was on the empty net goal and assist on Hyman's goal. And um, then he had that one goal where Mikey Anderson just decided to bulldoze over Cal Peterson. I mean, I don't really know how much more help yeah, that Connor I, McDavid needs, but uh, yeah, I mean, if those if those mental mistakes don't happen, then yeah, the Kings would probably come out with a win in that game. So yeah, it's just hard because the long layoff Kings, they, they're coming off a franchise record setting road trip. You're expecting, oh yeah, let's let's keep the ball rolling. And then, so we're just waiting for Kings hockey to come back. And then all of a sudden there's kind of a letdown and it, it's just, we're just very reminiscent of that Vegas game. So We'll have to see how happens on Friday, and it'll be a really good test to, for the Kings to see, okay, well, you have that first game out of the way. Let's see how you go going forward. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, too, on that that Mikey play because Connor got Cal Peterson to open up there pretty good, and he still made an awesome leg uh, pad stop mm-hmm. on the initial attempt. <clears throat> and then Jesse Pugliarvi comes in for support, and – for whatever reason, Mikey Anderson <laughs> pushed him right <laughs> into his own goaltender, right? That rather than off to the side, and or just I mean, tie up his I, stick or something. Yeah, <laughs> I thought Mikey overall had a pretty good game last night. Uh, he had a huge hit. Uh, Yamamoto. Like, yes, uh, he had that active stick on. Uh, uh, I think McDavid when he was trying to streak towards the the Oilers offensive zone he kind of just got his, his stick in there and broke up the the play but um yeah it was just really interesting and another thing that I mean I wanted to talk about it too uh the Kings just seem to have like this innate ability to take penalties within the first few minutes of a period <laughs> like we saw the old Imada one the high sticking that drew blood 
um, you know, 319 into the, the first period, Kings kill it off. I think the Oilers had four shots on goal and like two or three actually reached uh, Cal Peterson. Um, and then into the second period, and the Kings had 24 seconds of power play time left and Dustin Brown commits a, a, a hooking penalty on Darnell Nurse, you know, 10 seconds in. Then you go into the third period. I, I think the then the Kings start with like fifty some seconds of power play time. 50, yeah, fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. And then Arthur Kaliev gets called for holding on Philip Roberg. Just they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot when they do those things. I mean, granted the power play has its own challenges, but when you're gonna I guess shorten the time on your opportunities, that's not gonna help anything either. Yeah, you know, that's that's the difference between good teams and great teams. And I'm not just talking about, you know, last night was a prime example. I've seen it throughout this season, too. You know, the Kings start a, a start a period and they commit a penalty within the first, like, minute or two. Right. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, like, strong starts have been drilled into this team because we've seen so many games where the, the Kings just come out kind of sluggish and slow. So I wonder if Tom McClellan has really drilled that, hey, we need a strong start to to start the game, to start the period, especially last night when you want to come out with fire after that long layoff. And maybe there was a little bit more of an aggressiveness with Olimata and just kind of, it was more almost, I don't want to say it was a careless play because he's trying to lift the stick and he misses and he hits, yeah. he hits um, whoever it was in, in the face. And it's just, we see that happen time and time again here and there. But yeah, we, like you, like you talked about Ryan, it's just a lot more noticeable with the Kings because when these penalties happen, and hopefully they're able to cut them down um, for the rest of the season. Well, you know, it might have been part of it too was uh, waiting through the the thousand game ceremony for Drew Doughty. I love that, <laughs> and I know this sucks for Edmonton having to sit through this. Like, yeah, we'll get out there in a <laughs> sec. <laughs> but typical I told, classic. I messaged, I messaged Russ this last night, but during that entire ceremony. The whole, the only thing that I was thinking about was I'm gonna get to bed like 20 minutes later, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it literally was 1:30 here in the east when I went to bed. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah I was like, yeah, 12:30 when I called it quits. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I think um, you know going forward, obviously there's things that got to get cleaned up. There's no you know no doubt about that. Um, but I, I think overall. We'll see how this long layoff does affect them. You can't judge the entire the entirety by last night. You can't. That was the first game back. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they, they got to get some legs under them. But the nice thing is, is that, you know, looking at the standings, these uh, disparities between games played are starting to close up a little bit. So now you can get a, kind of a, a true gauge of where the team is and where, where it's headed. Because <clears throat> before it was hard because, you know, like Calgary and Edmonton had like what? six, seven games in hand, and, you know, it's just – so that's starting to close, even though Calgary's taking full advantage of it. Um, but, again, a lot of time left. And um, – Yeah, I just want to – I mean, <clears throat> if we look at the, the next couple of games uh, – and apologize for our listeners, I'm a little under the weather, so sorry if I keep coughing into your headphones. Um, <laughs> but look at – they got Golden Knights on Friday, and then they got Arizona – on Saturday. So, I mean, this is kind of a, a critical stretch that they're in right now. Um, and just segueing from that, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the Coyotes <laughs> venue situation. What do you guys think about oh. that, that 5,000 seater uh, for Arizona state? Well, let's, I'll let Scott start off because I, I've, I have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> How embarrassing. How embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, if it was only going to be for one season, it would be a little bit more palatable, right? But we're talking about three seasons. Come on. At what point does does this not end? Because even if they do get that new arena, what's the guarantee that the same kind of thing isn't going to happen in 10, 12 years? I think they gave it the best shot that they could. I do. But, I mean, to be somebody brought it up on Twitter. Could you imagine... If somehow, some way, the Coyotes managed to make the Stanley Cup Finals while playing in a 5,000 seat college arena, I'm just trying to picture what the, um, I guess, camera view would look like. You I know, can <laughs> right? watch, watch AHL TV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Watch, watch a junior hockey game. Camera. That's exactly what it's going to be. 
you know? Um, like I said, it's just you got to feel for the fans that are there. You, you really do. And you know what? You really do. You have to feel for the players. But, I mean, at what point, man, at what point did you not just say enough's enough? That This can't go on anymore. I mean, it's so- just- Maybe Jacob Shikran's like, enough is enough. I need to go to LA. LA. (laughs) I can't deal with this anymore. So I think this is a good thing for the Coyotes and a great thing for the fans in Arizona. And I'll tell you why. I lived in Arizona for a couple of years. I went to a ton of hockey games just here and there. And, and whenever they were in Phoenix and when they moved out to Glendale, I would make the drive out there. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar or if our listeners are familiar. The Phoenix area is, is just pretty much just one big metro. It, that's what it is. It's, you have Phoenix right in the middle. You have Tempe. You have Chandler. You have Scottsdale. And then all the way on the left is Glendale. That's where the Coyotes are playing. That's where the Arizona Cardinals are playing. It's where their big jobbing.com or University of Phoenix, wherever the right. big arena is out there. When they moved the team out to Glendale, they thought that the fans would make that drive out there. And when you talk about that drive, you're talking about like a good 45 to an hour drive to drive from Phoenix to okay. Glendale, considering traffic and all that. And yeah, it works for the Cardinals when you're only doing it eight times a year. Yeah, that's totally fine. But when you're asking for a fan base to travel out there 41 times a year, it's not really going to happen. It's not going to work. So I was, oh, I, whenever they, when that actually happened, I'm like, man. In the long run, it's, it's going to be horrible. Fans aren't going to go there. They're, they're not going to want to travel. It's just not going to work. So when I heard about this move, I was like, you know what? This is actually a good thing. And I was at, so I was actually in Arizona this past during Super Bowl weekend. I would try to get out to Waste Management Open. That was a lot of fun. And then hanging out with some friends and family. Did you go to there. that, Russ? I didn't, actually. I, oh. I, I did other things. I've gone to it a bunch of times, and I highly recommend anyone go. Yeah, I, I everyone go. The it's, tickets it's to the a, 16th hole. It's awesome. a party. I've been, yeah. been in the 16th hole. It's just so much fun. But yeah, so I've, I've t- talked to a lot of people, and I have some friends that still play hockey out there and everything like that. And they're really excited for this move for the Coyotes. Their team's only going to be they're going to be right down the street from where a lot of hockey fans and a lot of a lot of people really live, and, and that's kind of where uh, Arizona is growing. They're growing um, from the Tempe area, area and going down south. They're not; it's not that city's not really growing to the west. So, to have a fan base that's able to own, to travel to games and make it a lot easier. Say you get off work in Tempe or Phoenix, and you only have to drive 15, 20 minutes to see a game. Yeah, the venue's a lot smaller, but just imagine that environment it's going to create, especially when you have teams like. Chicago or LA or Toronto come in and you get those opposing fan bases who are willing to pay the extra money and to bring a kind of jubilant atmosphere um, to that small arena. I think that's really going to help and really going to kind of bring a good focus of, of hockey to the desert out for uh, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is one way to look at it. You're right. And I'm thank you for explaining that because I, I am very, 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 unfamiliar with the phoenix area i don't know yeah and i I think a lot of people are and i I think they don't really understand that that distance that is involved with going to see the coyotes right now in glendale right so they're basically in a similar situation that the ottawa senators are the canadian tire center is about an hour outside of the ottawa city limits okay Uh, so it's it's basically the same thing but you know what i kind of wonder too with them going into a 5,000 seat area how much more are ticket prices going to go up because if you have a, a team that's struggling Right, you can't go up that much more to make up. You're you're never going to make up the difference in revenue. I mean, even if they're worse, they were drawing what ten, twelve thousand a game, something like that. That so, could be generous. Yeah, even <laughs> at your rock bottom figure, you're cutting your revenues in half mm-hmm. just off ticket sales alone. Not to mention, and concessions doesn't really count because that's usually privately owned now and, and contracted out, anyways. But how much more are those ticket prices going to go up? Obviously, you have to go up some because where the heck mm-hmm. is the money coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just like I said, you know, the, the like I said, the problem I have with it is for the length of it. Again, if it was one season, hey, you deal with it, you get through, you do what you got to do. So, does anybody know is this arena for sure going to be built? For the yeah, yeah. It's being constructed right now. Yeah. Okay, so it is yeah, this- mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean, you know how these things go too. One minute it's a go, next minute, oh, no, this happened, and this zoning thing, and whatever. 
Yeah, if you uh, if you follow Craig Morgan, he covers the Coyotes. He's got like a a picture of him standing in the middle of the I guess what you call the ice. Um, but they're kind of building up the <laughs> building up the bleachers. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> good for them. Good for them because you know what? I, I think it's actually important for the NHL for that market to make it. I, I really I think, think so too. Got, I think so too. Population center there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it can only help having hockey thrive in Arizona. Of course, it does kind of leave Houston out in the cold. <laughs> For now, I think, I think they, yeah, they'll eventually get a franchise. Yeah, but I, I, I don't I think, think you can expand anymore. The distance, the distance, yeah, the biggest true. factor though here. I mean, especially with ASU being right down the street, you have some college kids who maybe can grow some interest in the game because I mean, ASU draws a lot of college students from all over the country because of its um kind of party aspect to it a lot of people love going to asu i had some fun times there too but yeah i mean <laughs> just think of it from like a king's uh, king's fan point of view i mean traveling to, to that new arena in the 45 however many capacity it's going to be i mean that's going to be a great place to watch a hockey game if you're really invested in the teams that you're looking to see so i think it's going to be beneficial to them and i don't think they i mean yeah, you can poke fun at them for the arena that they have. I saw the San Jose Barracuda um, throw something out on Twitter saying, hey, I think ours is bigger. So yeah. that was pretty yeah. funny. But, yeah, I think I think from where from where they were at before in Glendale um, at Gila River, I think, this is, I think this is an upgrade for them. Well, you can look at it this way. If they can survive these three years at minimal revenues and whatnot, they have got a ton of draft picks coming up to rebuild that team and get it ready to go by the time that new arena opens up. So that could be another factor at play as well. Um, guys, we're starting to run out of time here. You got anything else you want to talk about real quick before we close out? I want to touch on QB real quick, Quentin Byfield. Yep. What do you guys – and so he played eight minutes last night. He's playing with Dustin Brown and Andre Athanasiu. He looked really good in his first game with the Kings, and it's kind of looked so-so since it's happened. Do you think there's a possibility that he gets sent back down before his entry level contract kicks in? Which I think it would be not this next game, but if he plays the game after that, that would mean he's with the team for the rest of the season. What do you guys think? I think he stays up. I think he stays up. I'm just going to keep it short. I think they might change line mates with him. Yeah. Um, especially around the trade deadline. Let's say let's say they part with an Athens CU. Uh, you know. Let's say they call up Gabe Velarde and put him on his his wing. Call up Alex Turcotte, put him on his wing. I'm not sure what you do with Dustin Brown, but we can kind of <laughs> just imagine that it all fits together. But I think you keep him up, you let him develop at the NHL level, um, just try out different people with him. Right. I, I think you're right, Ryan, because he's gone as far as he's going to go in the AHL. I mean, he's mm-hmm. already proven he can light that league up. <clears throat> and you can't keep sending him down, up, down, up, down, up without it at some point affecting his confidence for starters. And you can actually stunt his development a little bit if you say, okay, well, we're going to send you back down to the A for a little bit, but we'll bring you back. And so he gets used to the, the, the play in the American League. Then he comes back up to the National League, and it's it's starting all over again. So I think as tempting as it would be to prevent that ELC from kicking in, I think at this point you're right, Ryan, the Kings have to leave him up with with LA and and number one just you know what he's gonna take the the rookie lumps that happens right I mean everybody thought Alexei Lafreniere the guy who was drafted ahead of him was Uh gonna score 30 goals right out of his first season didn't happen it it rarely happens right so what's he at now he's at 10 he's got 10 goals on 58 shots on goal so (laughs) <laughs> Tell me what's going on there, right? Let's see. <laughs> well, unreal <laughs> percentage, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think you you just got to leave him where he is, let him develop, and he'll he'll pick his game up. There's too much talent there for it to not happen. I think they find the right linemate combination for him, and he'll be just fine. Yeah, I think I think that's what will happen. And, and but I wouldn't be surprised if Rob Blake did it. And the, the only reason I say that is because of what the players in the AHL are doing right now who've gotten the taste. You look at a Jared Anderson Dolan, who's just lighting it up right now. Everyone's asking where Gabe Velarde is. And yeah, you can bring those players up, but where are you going to play them? So maybe yeah. sli- maybe yeah. maybe you send Quentin Byfield down before his entry-level contract ex- kicks in and give him some time, more another year in the AHL. I thought that's something that they could possibly look into doing um, before the preseason started, where he started to look really good. Yeah, 
I want to see more to Quentin Byfield. A lot of people do. He's still 19 years old. He's a really young player, obviously. Um, but I do want to see more. And I think maybe if you're going to change something, um, if you're not going to send him down, I think you have to start with the line mates. And I thought he looked really good in the first game. I think it was with where he was playing with Carl Grundstrom. Um, but since then, maybe the the chemistry with Dustin Brown just isn't there or Andreas Athens. You can try some other players there just to kind of elevate his game a lot. Because, I mean, really, last night he just went as kind of invisible. And and there's going to be those games. He's a, he's a young player, and it's going to happen um, throughout his rookie season. So we'll, we'll just have to see what happens. And maybe he does um, stick with the Kings and excels and is able to – um, look like the superstar that he's he's supposed to be. Yeah, well, and here's the thing, too. You can't – with the Kings contending for a playoff spot, they don't have that option of playing musical chairs with the prospects at the, at the, big, at the big club level anymore. You've got to pretty much establish what you want and mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't – you can't. well, we're going to give them five games to try it out. That was okay last year when they weren't contending, but now they're contending. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much – or you are at the point in the season where you have to say, okay – this is what we got. This is what we're going to run with and go. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting, though. We, we are will not, be. We are not inside the mind of Rob Blake, so we will just have to wait and find <laughs> it. As much as we want to be. I know, right? I, <laughs> I, 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 I found it interesting last night that he was he shared a wall with uh, Oilers GM Ken Holland. Did you guys? Oh, Russ, you probably didn't because you were there. But Scott, did you see when the, the camera panned to Rob yeah. Blake and Ken Holland was on the other side of the wall? Yeah. <laughs> so you gotta be careful what you say out loud, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm surprised we see glasses next to it with their ears, you know. Yeah. Boy, that Connor McDavid kid. We gotta trade for him. <laughs> Can we actually see if there's actually rumors of that though? Is that all? He's, he's not going anywhere. No. <laughs> oh well, guys, I think that's all we got for today. That was fun. That was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So um we'll, we'll we're gonna do this again soon. Hopefully on a better note. Hopefully the Kings will around this weekend and, and take down the Knights and take down the Coyotes and we'll be all happy, happy, joy, joy and ready to go for next week. So, mm-hmm. and well, we'll see if there's any more trade news to talk about as well, but remains to be seen. Anyways, everybody, thank you for listening. We, we appreciate all your support and, and you guys listening to our pod all the time and commenting on our social media, mm-hmm. uh, reading our articles on hockeyroyalty.com. We just, again, without your guys' support out there, we couldn't do this. So, yes, thank, thank you. Thank you very you. much. So, anyways, For Ryan Sykes, for Russell Morgan, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Hockey Royalty Podcast. Go Kings, go. Thanks, guys.